0: Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing a family of films that have literally knocked people out of their chairs with laughter. We're talking about the Zaz movies. In the early 1970s, brothers David and Jerry Zucker met Jim Abrahams while the three were attending the University of Wisconsin in Madison. They formed a comedy troupe called the Kentucky Fried Theater, and for years they honed their craft in a comedy hothouse that would produce, years later, both the Farley Brothers and the satirical newspaper The Onion. In 1978, the Zuckers and Abrahams, better known collectively as Zaz, teamed up with director John Landis to launch Kentucky Fried Movie, an often raunchy, juvenile, and hilarious send-up of the extensive catalog of crappy late-night TV and movies that Zaz grew up on and loved, but also knew was ripe for being taken down. Kentucky Fried movie misfires as often as it lands a bullseye. And to be honest, a lot of its hard R-rated humor simply isn't cool today. Let's just say the movie's willingness to punch down, especially when race and gender are concerned, is more than a little off-putting. But there is brilliance in the movie, especially in its more subversive elements and in how it seems to capture both the irreverence of Mad Magazine and the lowbrow smartassery of National Lampoon. But most importantly, it got Landis and the Zaz guys off and running. For Zazz, next to come was Airplane, considered by many to be one of the best slapstick comedies ever produced. The Zazz team did the short-lived TV show Police Squad before returning to feature films such as Top Secret, the more conventional comedy Ruthless People, and then The Naked Gun, which was a return to Police Squad. The team kind of broke up after that, not because they had a falling out, but because they were each ready to pursue their own thing. And because one of the reasons why movies with three directors are pretty rare is because those movies only get one paycheck for directing that gets split three ways. In the years that followed, Zucker, Abrahams, and Zucker did a bunch of other comedies, most of which remained fairly true to the kind of projects we saw in their earlier years, but they just weren't as dense or as rapid fire. There's something to be said when looking at a Zaz movie about how a candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. These are movies where pop culture references, sight gags, double entendres, and every other joke imaginable comes at the audience like suppressing fire. Part of the idea is to make the audience laugh so frequently that they never recover. One great laugh every 10 minutes will not break you up as 20 good laughs over the same amount of time. It helps to have discovered these movies at a certain age, and it also helps to have seen these movies when they came out, as they weren't exactly meant to be you know, preserved in amber. But years later, these movies still work. They still get quoted by people who don't even know they're quoting them, and they still make even the most hardened cynic giggle, guffaw, or grasp their guts in laughter. But perhaps more than anything, they will always be a kind of lightning that the Zaz team managed to jar, not just once, but repeatedly, and all because they just wanted to make people laugh or die trying. I'm already kind of suppressing a giggle at the thought of talking about these movies, so let's get into it. With me today is three-time skeet-surfing world champion, Chris Crenshaw.
1: I've not met before, Monsieur.
0: <laughs> Clean. Trans American Airlines head of food safety, Tom he- Tom Hespos.
2: I think I had the fish. Did I have the fish?
0: <laughs> and, and USS SS cruise director, Joe Pace.
3: Ah, oh, that's loud. My ear canals are very sensitive. They're stainless steel. I took a bullet in the Corregidor, passed straight through.
0: <laughs> and I'm off already. <laughs> Okay. Okay, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be this kind of episode. I'm just <laughs> not going to be able to hold it together. Oh my God. All right. So Tom, why don't you start first? Walk us through your favorite Zazz movie and then kind of zero in on your favorite moment from your favorite Zazz movie. Oh man. I, I just, and, and I rewatched it today
2: because it just kills me every time airplane is definitely my, my favorite zazz movie I mean yes. it is just oh my God, like it's timeless and like I remember seeing it when it came out and in cable one time having watched it with my grandfather like it just came on one night when I was at his house on HBO yeah he's like what's this movie and i'm like oh no 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 like you'll like this trust me so me and my granddad <laughs> i was maybe 12 or 13 yeah watching it on you know home box as he called it yeah <laughs> um and you know like being able to get through most of that movie without too much embarrassment i want and there was like a naked girl kind of dances across the screen that was a <laughs> bit yeah. Like he got a kick out of like a lot of the jokes. And I was, of course, you know, sitting on his sofa, you know, dying laughing the entire time. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's such a great movie. And you know, they keep hitting you with the jokes. And before you have a chance to recover, it's like, but, like the cumulative effect of all the laughs is just yeah. so much, it's so overwhelming. And uh, I I love that. And like they often do that, you know, combined with like little sight gags, like, you know, (laughs) the pilots are talking in the cockpit and you see the guy outside like squeegeeing the windows and like pulling the hood up on the airplane and then like trying to sit on it to get the hood to go back down and he falls off, you know, like the whole time like you're listening to this dialogue and the funny dialogue and then you're you know watching this thing they're two different jokes going on at the same time and, like the cumulative effect is just it's overwhelming at times and I, I love that about these movies but uh, you know I, I got a couple of moments of truth for this one and the one I think that I remember you know my grandfather when watching it together you know when i looked over and like it it just dawned on him what kind of a movie was this was going to be yeah was the red zone white zone dialogue in the very beginning ah yes which I love, like, you know, they're going back and forth, this man and this woman announcing about like, you know, the uh, okay zone to so, like unload passengers in and, and you know you never stop in the red zone. And somehow along the line, it just it, it gets flipped. And these two start getting into this argument. As you're watching, you know, like all the people for all the cast of the movie, they're like coming on, you know, and getting you know, getting ready to get into the airport and get on their flights and stuff like that. And it's hilarious because they eventually just get into this argument like, "Oh, I know what this is all about. You want me to get an abortion." Like it just goes so far <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> And these two people are arguing as like, it's the only sensible thing. At the airport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
0: such a great gag. I, I just <laughs> love it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it. It becomes park. this like anatomy of a fraught relationship breaking down out in public. <laughs> and,
1: like, and nobody <laughs> notices. Nobody's yeah. paid any attention whatsoever. Because, because they don't care about the announcements. They don't <laughs> care where they're going to park. They're going to park where they want to park. Well, uh, I go to airports a lot. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you know, that's one of the cardinal rules of a Zazz movie, which is that what's going on in the foreground and what's going on in the background can't match each other comedically, right? So, like, if the what's going on in the foreground is hilarious, what's going on in the background has to be straight and vice versa. So, like, when you have this, and they do this a lot, where some of the funniest jokes are something is happening in the background, and it's sure. made more funny because the foreground is just oblivious. So it's like, don't start with that white zone shit again. And people just, like, <laughs> moving on, parking their cars, not paying attention. And you're like, what did he just say? <laughs>
3: What I, what I love yeah what i love about these movies too is like airplane in particular it, it's um a lot of the humor is linguistically based they do a lot of like okay what if you completely took somebody else completely literally on what they were saying whether it's idiomatic and you just took it literally and well that doesn't matter right now you know it's like well yeah. this has to go to headquarters what's that it's like oh it's the big building where everyone works but that's not important right now and they and they, they run that sort of they're flying on instruments. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, right? And they're all in there with the saxophones and stuff like that. And it's just like the, that gag runs through, and it never stops being funny. Also, and, and I
1: speak jive.
2: That's a whole different animal. Definitely a moment of truth. Like, yeah, that goes a whole uh, Barbara way. Billingsley, mom from like Leave It to Beaver, delivers <laughs> all that stuff, and it makes it ten times as hilarious. <laughs> just,
0: long before Betty White was subverting her own kind of trope, Barbara Billingsley did, did that amazingly in Airplane. I mean, it was just such an astonishing thing. Like, I remember I saw Airplane for the first time with my parents. We were vacationing, and we are like, down the shore or something, and we caught, like, the last half of Airplane, and we all watched it together. Like, my, we typically did not watch movies together as a family. All five of us were just completely broken to pieces by this movie. Like, we're all just, just completely just demolished in hilarity. When I, watching watching Barbara Billingsley act as like a jive interpreter for the plane was just, it was just funny on its face as, to me as like a 12 year old kid. I'm just laughing because this is funny. My my parents saw it as completely different. They were laughing for a whole different reason. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it was just it, that movie kind of does that all the time. A lot of the people who starred in that movie had played straight roles in disaster movies before of, some, of one kind or another. So,
3: well, go look at like Robert Stack and Boyd Bridges. They had both been yeah, straight. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't comedic actors at all.
0: No, no. Robert Stack kills me this Definitely movie. Definitely not. I mean, like, Leslie Nielsen gets gets <laughs> called out a lot. I've been like, like, you know, the, the arch straight man. He does it so perfectly. And he does. He really does. He does. But But watching Robert Stack do his thing in this movie, just, I don't know, man. It's just, <laughs> watching him just wade through the concourse with the flurry of karate chops to every, like, self-help <laughs> proselytizer, it's like, pop pop It's like, it's just... <laughs> he runs this gauntlet of people trying to make him read their pamphlets he just kicks the crap out of all of them and just like he doesn't even stop there. adjust his tie it's
3: hilarious <laughs> but just think about it like hasn't every single day for the last five years been the last like the wrong day to quit sniffing glue like i mean yeah. think about that from it like i think of that like every single time <laughs> when i see lloyd bridges those the wrong day to quit taking quaaludes you
2: know yeah. like pick
0: the wrong day to stop drinking yeah you gotta
2: watch out for that man now the kids under 30 they've not seen this movie and they don't understand the references like you walk into a meeting and go looks like i picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue like you <laughs> know, like, I I know what you're talking what? about yeah
3: are you okay are you yeah, all right like,
0: yeah like they don't know what sniffing glue is and they don't know why it's the wrong week to quit it like it's like a whole panoply of references go right over their shoulder you know right
2: over um I love you know. There was a great other moment of truth in, in this, like the fourth wall breaking with the, um, the you know the kid in the cockpit, talking to Kareem abdul Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that so Like, he's trying to convince him that he is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he's like, no, you know, I'm, this, I'm Roger, you know, the, the airplane pilot, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. Until he brings – until little Joey brings up the notion of him sort of dragging ass on the court. Like, my dad says, you
3: know, play right – You now. carry Robert Parrish up and down the court three times a week. <laughs> 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 well,
0: listen, kid, I've been hearing that crap ever since UCLA. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, you know, uh, Peter Graves is, is or whatever, he's starting to, he's having a conversation with Joey about, you know, Turkish prison. Never <laughs> seen like a grown man naked? naked? Ever seen a grown man naked? You know, like... <laughs> like glad you glad you
1: that's my favorite line from the movie. No doubt. You I mean, know, know,
3: it's
0: funny. It th- those, those lines I hear get repeated by people who've never seen the airplane a lot. Like I, I, you know, It's just a general, like... Unwelcome overture it's fairly creepy, and you're not quite sure where where it's really meant to go, just nowhere good. And it, you know, people like, you know, you ever see a movie about gladiators? I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about, man. But I welcome it. It's okay. It's all right, you know. <laughs> airplane cracks. Would you like to know how many jokes airplane cracks? All of them. Two yeah, pretty much. 223 jokes are cracked in the movie Airplane in a runtime of 86 minutes. That is an average of 2.3 gags a minute. I doubt there's a single movie ever made that cracks more, that packs more jokes. Like the
1: density of humor <laughs>
0: is so superhumanly
3: high. The Marx Brothers, the Marx Brothers yeah. is the only
0: other
1: thing.
3: Uh, I, 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 I need
1: to know the methodology on this, Bill, because I think there are jokes in Airplane that there are no words to them. You know, like yeah,
3: just there, yeah.
1: There's there's this this one scene where uh they're, they're boarding the plane and there's this little rich kid in first class and. A well-dressed young girl gets on the plane and and he looks her up and down just like you know first class passengers have done for all coming passengers yeah for generations (laughs) (laughs) and and it's a real joke and it's funny as heck and and yet how do you count it It, it's like not even it's it's not it's not even acknowledged you know i love that yeah
3: one of the things i, I really enjoy about airplane is, is like i said so much of the humor is linguistically based like they play in the english language an awful lot and yeah. then they pair it they pair it with simple psych eggs or physical humor that really pay makes it pay off which you know my favorite moment of truth from it is, is it has to be ted striker's drinking problem I, I, this is a joke Dude. that we have gone on forever and ever <laughs> i have a drinking problem and he throws the drink in his face and it's like yes he's clearly has, this guy has a problem drinking and it's it's just got nothing to do with alcohol. It's the fact that he can't physically make himself drink, and it is it's so stupid. And yet it the way striker plays the you know, the way it's played, it's, it's it it lands so perfectly. Yeah,
0: Robert Hayes deserves a medal for this because he plays things straight, and also like makes he actually elicits a sense of sympathy for this character who's in this the most ridiculous <laughs> send up of the genre. But like, but one of the reasons why Airplane works so so well why a lot of, all the of, you know, why so much of the Zaz movies work so well is that the Zaz guys actually loved the genres that they sent up. And so there is to a certain degree this story is meant to work on this crazy notion that maybe in some strange alternate universe there's a part of this is actually is trying to play itself straight, trying on some level to be part of the genre it's sending up and that just makes the humor that much funnier, right? Whereas there are a lot of parodies that they clearly don't try to be part of the genre or they're not there's not kind of loving homage built into for the genre and so it just feels a little hollow but you don't get that here and these guys like they knew what they're sending up and they loved it and so that's why they knew just how to how to ring that kind of stuff out of it so you have a guy like like Striker with a drinking problem it's just like it's so dumb but it makes so much sense in that framework right
3: <laughs> well they take hard bitten right like they've taken okay hard bitten guy like it's like the robert stack character like you know i'm tough and so like these you know the, the uh god i forget the name of the guys with the flowers the, um
0: like harry uh, Krishna's.
3: Okay. Harry Krishna's are coming up and he's going to hit him right in the neck with a karate chop you know what I mean like that's how hard bitten this guy is you know what I mean and it's like roll and then the
2: you've got, like over his shoulder yeah.
3: <laughs> and then you've got you know you've got Lloyd Bridges who's like ah oh, wrong we did quit drinking and you're like okay that's a throwaway line but they pay it off going forward with the other things he's quit that week and then you've got you know you've got striker and he's just like you know the guy's all messed up psychologically from some hidden trauma but it manifests itself in the fact that he can't manage to get a glass to his lips you know,
0: just- so i'll tell you something about that i didn't get that joke until like 10 years after a your plane <laughs> for years i thought i thought he was such an alcoholic he couldn't actually meet the glass to his face like his aim was off right not like no it's simpler than that he has a drinking problem my brother's like you notice how he kept on a glass of orange juice it's because he has a problem drinking i'm like oh Um. (laughs) like he's like he's like Bill, that joke is not supposed to have a fuse that long on it man I'm like yeah yeah i know
3: <laughs> well we have a picture of one of my children i think they're like two years old or whatever and they've got one of those sippy cups and they've got it in their ear yeah <laughs> and it's labeled i have a drinking problem i mean it's, it's you know... yeah exactly chris
0: what is your moment of truth in airplane joey do you like movies about gladiators that 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 whole <laughs> bit
3: absolutely <laughs> slays me the fact that peter graves never looks over yeah he never looks at him he never looks at him when he does it. He's, he's working the switches the whole time. <laughs> he's just like, you know, like he's basic <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. it impinges
1: on, my, on the moment of truth from, from my own flick. But, but I mean, I, I find it astonishing that child molestation is like a joke. Yeah. You, know, like, you can't make jokes about that. It's yeah, not I, even a joke about child it. molestation,
3: uh, Chris. It's a joke about child grooming. Which is even, well, okay. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's even yeah, it's even yeah. it's even wronger. It's Florida. even wronger. You right? know you yeah. Mean? Like- yeah.
0: yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it's but it's, but the fact they able to get away with it, it's just it's like wow. Yeah. It's like that's 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 black belt comedy right there, man. Oh.
1: <laughs> but but I also have to give out a, a shout out. It was it was really cool to you know remember Joe Isuzu as as a Mooney. No thanks, we <laughs> get <up> the office. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> the office. <laughs> Who, I think you let the, it go
2: without uh failing to mention Johnny though. Uh
0: Johnny, Johnny. oh my god. And Leon's getting larger. What I, is oh that
2: from? Like, what is that a reference to? I,
0: Nothing. Like, I think <laughs> it's just he just shows up and just gets bonkers <laughs> for the last 15 minutes of the movie, and it's just hilarious. Cause like
2: <laughs> it's yeah, Uncle Henry, it's a twister. It's a twister. Like, what the hell? He just, he, <laughs> it's it's just like, so absurd that you just you can't help but laugh. What it's do you like, mean? I so, oh, can like a hat. It's be, like he's a, a, yeah,
0: pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. <laughs> 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 Love it. <laughs> it's it's like when you think the movie can't get any goofier, suddenly <laughs> here comes this guy. It's like he's like the hidden reserve, like the extra nitrous tank, <laughs> making this go one more, one more thing over the over the edge. It just, it, yeah. I don't think there was a reason for it. It's just funny, you know.
3: I can't step away from the airplane. I don't want to hesitate to call it a franchise because it's not, but like the the airplane conceit because the second one, which is not as funny, right? But like you get uh the William Shatner stuff where like oh an airplane two. And,
2: and beeping it, and buzzing and <laughs> but like
3: he's the best part is though he's <laughs> behind the door and it looks like he's on a screen, like talking yeah. to them through the but he opens the door and there <laughs> he the is I, that never ceases. That's a to replay slamming.
2: of the mirror gag in in the first airplane.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. Looking
2: in the mirror and then he just walks right yeah. out. Like,
3: <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm convinced that's the beginning of William Shatner as caricature of William Shatner, sending up William Shatner that he then lived on for the next forty years. Like that. That is the moment in which that happens.
0: That was the funniest part of that movie. Was, was Shatner just like, holy crap, look at him deconstructing himself? You know, like, he's playing his own Leslie Nielsen to his own. You know, like, just, he so did weird. it all.
3: All and the thing is, and I I keep going back to this. He's very talented. He does it all self contained. Like he, he's, he's the setup, the joke, the straight man and the, and the funny guy all yeah. in the same moment.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I think my moment of truth, it's a, just a throwaway joke in the movie. And it's not even one that people really remember as one of the great jokes of the movie, but it's just one of these things that I remember it's when <laughs> Captain Rex Kramer, you know, Robert Stack, he's been pulled from his house to go to the airport and and they're they're driving and they're having this conversation as they're driving out of nowhere. You just see this bicyclist go over the hood of the car. Like he just just plows through this guy and then the passenger looks back like, what the hell? And you see the guy, he knocks over, just gets up and goes, you There's no reason for any of it. Like it's so out of the blue well, they're establishing uh, Robert uh, Stack's
3: guy as like hard bitten. <laughs>
0: yeah, hard bitten, but also oblivious. And Dream also, it. this is a movie where that sort of thing can and will happen at, at any time. You know, and it's just, it's one of those things where a style of comedy that never, ever, ever lets up, never gives you a chance to breathe and recover. It always keeps, it always hits you with something. Even if the, even if the story doesn't call for a joke, they're going to launch one from the canon anyway, just to make sure that you were never set back to zero. And that one joke is just like, it's so. It's even by airplane's own standards, it's superfluous and goofy. And by the powers, it goes right through me. Like if I see that now, I will just start howling and laughter. It's just, it's just the, and, and it's not just like the bike. It's that, that they paid enough attention for the guy to survive the kit and then turn around and, like shake his fist at him. It's like exactly. Well, listen, exactly hitting a
3: guy, hitting a guy on a bike with a car will never not be funny. <laughs> okay, like European vacation includes that. Yeah. Like it's the it's the premise behind America's funniest home videos. Like guys getting hurt is always going to be funny.
0: This is true. This is true. So,
3: Chris, let's move
0: on to your favorite Zaz movie, and your moment of truth from it. This is a movie that I don't think it often gets as much credit maybe as it deserves, but it is a funny, funny, funny movie. So, so take it away.
1: Well, I, I chose Top Secret because though it's not necessarily my favorite of the Zaz movies, uh, I think its nonsense hangs together thematically better than the others. It's got a slyness that's at home and a musical spoof of Casablanca and, confusingly, The Blue Lagoon. Uh, you know, mo- most of the jokes seem to sort of have an organic place there in a way that doesn't seem quite as true in The Naked Gun or Airplane, although both of those movies made me laugh harder than Top Secret did in the end. I think part of that thematic unity is due to the cast, which is full of actors who had made Careers of playing Nazi in World War II adjacent flicks. Uh, There's a scene with Peter effing Cushing. (laughs) Star Wars was not the only time he played a Nazi. Uh, No. That that was uh, filmed backwards and it's amazing. You know, Kilmer was especially good in it. There's just a lot of physical work and rehearsal that had to be required to make that scene work. They do it in a single take so you know they you know they did it a bunch of times yeah you know and you know val kilmer was catching the books and and it's it's really pretty amazing and it's particularly amazing when you consider that it was val kilmer's first movie role yeah and well that's kind of the other reason i i love this movie i love val kilmer after this movie he did an after school special for abc i think. And then went on to portray my personal idol, Chris Knight. <laughs> is
3: that real genius? Is that real yeah. Genius? yeah. yeah <laughs> the, I yeah, love that, that movie so good much.
1: Movie. Uh, then, then Iceman and Mad Mardigan in his next three film roles. Yeah. Which, I mean, good God. That's amazing. Right. Um, and I, I'm, I'm willing to pause here if anybody would like to wax rhapsodical. Uh, no? no. <laughs>
3: Did you know that they're doing Willow sequel now right they've green-lighted uh no. a little, um, it's true
1: And yeah, i don't know
3: if cal kilmer is scheduled to be in it i would have to imagine that but
1: yeah you know, so, so in this movie you know, the, the setting time period are completely nonsensical the, the movie's explicitly set in east germany when exactly is moot but the villains are world war ii nazis down to the uniforms and the period specific weapons yeah. Um, the music's from the '50s and '60s, but the technology is otherwise that of the '80s. Yeah, uh, the female wardrobes are from the '40s, mixes from the '50s. There's a Pac-Man visual gag that doesn't really land, <laughs> and is the the one exception to I think that the organic wholeness of of the humor of this flick. And then you know why why the hecking heck is the French Resistance here?
3: <laughs> well, and you've got that you've got the East German joke about the East German women's Olympic team right. It's like a 19, it's like a 1980s joke like, yeah yeah they, they definitely <laughs> yeah. play with time not yeah. um, <laughs> three uh, you know
1: it, it's it's, still, it's a weird movie I, I think uh, but it really works yeah and and I think that at the heart of the movie is its commitment to its musical numbers <laughs> because this flicks a, a musical um, it could have had two or three... Fewer full on musical numbers with dancers, and you would have still thought, gosh, there were a lot of musical numbers in Netflix.
3: <laughs> yeah. It Which, comes right from the beginning with the surf, right? Uh, skeet the surfing. surfing. <laughs> the skeet surfing comes right at you with it. Huh? Uh, that's crazy. That, that goes on about, that goes First on about way, a minute and a half to open Second <laughs> right? way, like,
0: open fire. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's fantastic. But I mean, <laughs> it's the musical numbers that bring me to my moment of truth, which in, I guess, any liberal sense is also Nick's moment of truth. Nick is pulled, and I should explain that Nick Rivers is an American pop star who has been uh, invited to East Germany to perform at sort of a a cultural exchange sort of festival. He does two numbers at this performance in their entirety. First, a song called How Silly Can You Get. His performance is is met by full-blown screaming Beatlemania hysteria from the seemingly all-girl crowd the second song is called spend the night with me and he pulls this weeping teenager out of the audience and you know and lyrically pleads for her to have sex with him she's clearly underaged and that obviously makes it creepy but the movie makes absolutely nothing of it it, it is it's played completely straight from that perspective I'm like looking over my shoulders during this scene, like, nobody has a problem with this.
3: <laughs> and yeah.
1: I don't know if it represents 80s obliviousness or if it's a really sly shot at Elvis. <clears throat> uh, hmm. But but I want to point out that Zucker, Ab- Abrahams, and Zucker wrote the lyrics themselves. Yeah. And they went on to hire Priscilla Presley for the naked gun. So, you know, you do the math. <laughs> those guys were no stranger to
0: subversive humor. So I would imagine that that was, that was their way of kind of doing a little underhanded jab at, at Elvis, or it could also be just having their cake and eating it too. Cause they were no strangers. I mean, going back to Kentucky fried movie, they were all about cracking jokes that made you go, is everybody okay with this? Like they, yeah. they <laughs> love to, they love to offend just for the sport of offending. So they're probably doing it
1: for both reasons. <laughs> But I, I, don't know, I really, I, I love this movie. I, I, I think yeah. it's, it's gags land well for the most part. It's got an odd heart to it. And yeah. you know, Val Kilmer in his first film role is doing all his own singing and dancing. And I don't know, that dude was a complete package. I, 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 I,
3: looking yeah.
0: back, it really impresses me. <laughs> What's funny about Top Secret is that the Zazz guys actually were, were pretty capable technical filmmakers, and just that their, their subject matter didn't often showcase it, but I think they went out of their way in this movie to showcase that they could actually do some pretty intense stuff like the backwards scene. Or, like, there's a scene near the end <laughs> where where Nick, Nick and the, the trader guy, they fall off this bridge and fall into a river while they're fighting. <laughs> yes. And they fall in and also underwater. They, they land in this Wild West saloon that's completely underwater, fully populated. People are just hanging out there doing Wild West stuff, but it's all underwater. And they get involved in this fist fight, and the whole thing is filmed underwater. <laughs> and like it's just like a three-minute scene, completely And then it's done in. Kilmer vanquishes them and leaves the saloon and leaves the river and you're like they just shot an underwater fight scene just to shoot one and in, in period it. costume yeah
3: why you know why just just to do it just just to, to, do, it. Just to do it
1: things so, change
3: yeah. Yeah. people change hairstyles change interest rates fluctuate <laughs> <laughs> i i i will say that um there's a lot of the visual gags in here. And like some of it, it feels, it's funny. You know, like I remember watching, and I had never seen this. I had never seen this until prep for this podcast. But I remember watching it and being impressed by Val Kilmer's performance, doing the Justin Timberlake of his time, doing yeah. the song, dance, comedy, act, the whole bit, right? Clearly, this is, it's East Germany if there's no West Germany, right? Like East, yeah. Germany, <laughs> is the only, East Germany is the only Germany. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and East and, um, Germany the only
1: Germany that would have been a great
3: German. slogan right exactly
1: <laughs> that fits right in with their national anthem yeah yeah, ex- yeah, ex- yeah, right. yeah,
3: yeah exactly don't cause any problems <laughs> and um, there's no escape for any of you <laughs> top secret does a, a gag commitment that's different than the other Zazmans yeah I think about the scene where Nick is trying to escape from the jail and he's going doing like the <laughs> Almost like the Martin and Rowan laugh where he's like going through the vets and he keeps coming out and keeps coming out. And they like they, like, they, they drive home jokes with a little bit more vigor. <laughs> yeah. a little more sustained effort um, than you see in some of the others.. Yeah. And, and, What's but the dance Why are we always <laughs> in such a bloody rush? Yeah. Well, I think about the scene where the, 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 the guy is talking to his informant and he's got the different like he's selling the different novelty items. Yeah. <laughs> and you see the joke. You see the joke. You get the joke. Okay, it's the joke. gum. It's the cigar. It's like, and it just keeps going. Oh, yeah,
1: they commit. They <laughs> and, commit. They're, <laughs>
3: and they're and they're setting up the dog poo joke, right? Yeah. And he's like, what dog poo? What and you're like, poo? okay, I get it. Now I see what they were trying to do. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> 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 we know the funny thing about Top Secret, like Airplane, is both satire and parody. A parody because it's sending up that 1970s disaster movie genre right but it's also satire because he's using a lot of those jokes to kind of comment about life at that particular time in america right and, and so like when robert stack you know just you know kung fu's his way through the concourse it's it, a comment about about what it is to be in an airport in the late seventies and early eighties. Right. And there wasn't a lot of satire in top secret. I think that like, like there was an airplane. I think the satire yeah, airplane yeah. made it super accessible to everybody. Like, I, I think it's reason like why my parents laughed so hard at it, but probably would not have laughed nearly as hard at top secret, whereas top secret is more of a, a pure spoof. unholy spoof. Yeah. And I kind of struggled with before we started this podcast, like what's the difference between satire and parody and spoof, right? And spoof, struck me as the most elusive of those terms. And I got the feeling that like satire is you're using often humor to comment about a real life condition. Parody is when you're using comedy to, to subvert a known genre or, or trope or cliche. And then spoofing strikes me as just all the other jokes you bring in when you're doing parody or satire that really don't have anything to do with the parody or the satire, but they're just too much fun. You can't let them go. So you, you bring them in anyway, right? By that, Measure. I think Top Secret is very spoofy because there's just a lot of terrific jokes that are just pure zaz absurdity, and they just cram them in there in a scene that it satirizes nothing because it's such a bizarre pastiche. Like it answers a question nobody was asking, and so it it's a little hard to kind of to kind of get into it in a weird way. But if you can get on that frequency, it's bloody hilarious because the jokes are are themselves just objectively funny as hell one of my favorite gags this is such a it's such a simple thing but it's so very zazzy the opening prologue where omar sharif is fighting with this east german on top of a train all of a sudden here comes it comes the bridge overpass and sharif ducks down and he looks up and the east german's on top of the train's like Ah-ha! and his body just blasts through the stone overpass of the bridge like you know and that's a typical inversion of what you expect right the pigeon statue joke Yeah, but it's like, you know, but also it involved Omar Sharif, like this is Dr. Zhivago. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy like, forget all the straight men you saw an airplane Sharif had like serious cred, you know, and he they got him to sign on like that's what was so funny about like he's doing this. And and they keep mining it, like when he gets caught in that car crusher later on, which is like shades of you know Goldfinger, and like, well, he's gone. And then he shows up in the room later, like still in the crushed car and this like little like square body teetering, tottering. It's like, well, wait a minute. And he like lands. It's just, it's just so goofy. But like. They got they got Omar Sharif to play along. And that's this that's an astonishing bit when, you know, guys like him don't have to take the job, but he he chose to to do it and he knows what he's getting into. And I thought it was it, it said a lot about, you know, the nature of the of the comedy that they're able to get people to subvert themselves to, to be in it. And and seeing Omar Sharif in it in particular really just it it just makes me as an adult now, it makes me giggle just that he's even there,
3: you know. That's Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack. I mean, it's the same deal, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. like get somebody to to as you say, subvert. I mean Omar Sharif. That's my mother's crush, movie crush yeah. from when she was young. From Doctor Zhivago, I had a, a crush on
2: Omar Sharif. That's great. <laughs> Doctor Shivago
3: <laughs> was her favorite movie. That movie swept her off her feet when she was a young woman. I mean,
0: there's a line from Top Secret I, I still quote to this day, which is near the end when, um, you know, they're trying to get away, and uh, the the unfortunately named resistance fighter Chocolate Moose is given this Tommy gun out of a <laughs> out of a bush, and and and. This German Jeep is coming and he just unloads on this German Jeep, right? And shoots all the guys. And the car veers off and it just dings a pinto at like no miles an hour. And of course, you know, that's the joke. He hits the pinto and a boom, yeah, yeah it, they all blow up. And then moments later, the crew, they get in the exact same burning Jeep and drive off and it's still on fire. And one guy goes, You have to hand it to these Germans. They make great cars as <laughs> they're driving by. I say that all the time <laughs> and like, nobody knows what I'm talking about, but that line absolutely slaughters me and seeing that, that moment in the movie, just like, it's
1: so it's so of the, the, the tone they strike. I, I like the scene with chocolate Moose with the, in that ridiculous shootout in the house uh, where the Germans come in and he, he pulls out his Tommy gun and it just sort <laughs> of shoots randomly and, and kills all the Germans who are like wrestling with his, his friends uh, without hurting his friends. And, <laughs> come <laughs> like, on oh, nice shooting and, and the, uh, another black guy who was has just been introduced just comes by and says my man my man you're like what the hell exactly what the hell yeah
0: it's yeah
1: and i i still say uh Grenade, the the way that uh, that that uh poor Croix says it uh, and <laughs>
0: When well, I, which but, is why, when somebody drinks something and they don't like the taste of it, I go gasoline, <laughs> <laughs> enjoy,
3: <laughs> enjoy like, your pig balls. <laughs> enjoy your pig balls.
0: I had a friend who would always go latrine. Every time somebody would show up, <laughs> and, and would be yeah. latrine. every time latrine shows up, he's been all beaten to pieces. Yeah. And you don't know, he's he's even know why. Time. Yeah, he's, he's severely wounded every time. You never know why. In fact, there's a great moment near the end where one of the characters actually is hurt and he's trying to tell what happened. And also Latrine shows up and literally walks over him. like <laughs> steps, on. steps on top of him to be the injured guy giving up news. And you're like, <laughs> like okay. Uh,
1: there, there's, uh, there's one more bit I want to mention in this movie because yeah. it, to me, it, it it could have been in Buckaroo Banzai. Um the, the the scene where where Nick and Hillary are parting. I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a woman that he met at a restaurant who turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist only to lose her to her childhood lover who she last saw on a desert island, deserted island, who then turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French Underground. <laughs> It's just good. Good it's
0: just good stuff. It's good stuff. But uh, moving on to Joe, you know, as we often mentioned, you're a few years younger than us. And so you came into mm. these things at a slightly different age. And so you kind of hit these movies at a, at a slightly different time frame. So I think that may play into the, the movie you, you chose here.
3: Yeah, my Zazz movie is actually not technically a Zazz movie, if you will. It's like a, either a za or Ah or a movie. I'm not sure. It's, but these guys were involved. One or more of them were yeah. involved in the making of Hot Shots, which is a 1991 movie so it's a little late it's 11 years later than airplane for instance five years after top gun i'm sorry after top secret was that a freudian slip because top gun is the movie that's spoofed in it's spoofing yeah hot shots uh we have another exclamation mark movie after top secret we get, top, <laughs> we get hot shots and this movie is very much a send-up of top gun very much a send-up of the testosterone laden you know <laughs> fighter jet jockey who uh, is broken inside but gets the girl and, it, and it's steeped in the end of the cold war and everything else and they get Charlie Sheen before he was a lunatic to uh, come in and play Tom movie. Movie. well yeah before we knew <laughs> let's say before we knew he was a lunatic before we were sure that he was a lunatic
0: yeah. it's a <laughs> um, tiger energy v1 is what it was <laughs> yeah
3: exactly well well this was you know he's coming off platoon and yep. he was Martin Sheen's son and like he had a future at the point and, and he wasn't uh, perceived as being <laughs> toxic, just yet. <laughs> That's and, what I was, um,
1: uh, was going to use. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and 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 his comedic timing in this movie is, is really quite good. And the you get Carrie Ellis, and you've got, and you got a bunch of other people that that play in this film. You get Lloyd Bridges, essentially reprises his role from Airplane, but now he's in the military instead of in the TSA. And uh, General, uh, sorry, Admiral Tug Benson is is still one of my favorite characters. Um, <laughs> Who's had different body parts replaced at, at like every battle from you know uh, a little you know, bighorn on run <laughs> all yeah exactly I think that was it was that an Antietam or was that Okinawa which one didn't have the Indians that one, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. You mean, mentioned
0: taking a bazooka hit during a little bighorn <laughs> I know it's just
3: to me Top Gun is the I'm sorry I keep saying that Hot Shots is the 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 one of these that has the greatest density of jokes. They just don't stop. The, the, the language and the sight gags and everything are, are they just keep coming. And some of the dialogue to me is written in a way that's unbelievably hilarious. Like the, the actual like dialogue jokes to me uh, land harder. Now, as we've said, a lot of those are because it's 1991. I'm 16 years old, seeing this in the theater with my buddies. And it's like, okay, one of us drove and three or four of us went out to the 9 30 show and we've got the late night sillies and we're sitting there and i can i have vivid memories of sitting in the theater and probably missing a third to a half of the jokes in this thing because mm-hmm. i'm in tears yeah. the entire time there's a lot of this movie that, that that makes me laugh and uh, for me though there, it's stupid because there's a lot of one-off lines and i love good linguistic humor yeah and the one where uh, Topper Harley, the Charlie Sheen character is in there and he's talking about how he wants to be left alone. All, all I need is you know, my motorcycle and, and some space and, and all stuff. And he says, you know, just me and my motorcycle. And the guy says, oh, a loaner. And he says, no, I own it. And I, yeah. For some reason, every time in the last 35 years, 40 years, whatever it's been, any, anybody says you know, a loaner, I say, no, I own it. And it's just I, I, one of those lines that has yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> and um, there's a lot like this movie takes a, a, a makes a real effort to actually send up specific movies, and this might have been the pivot point to when you get into the scary movie kind of environment. Where yeah, I think like, you're right. Let's let's take a ton of pop culture references and send them up because Hot Shots does that. They send up Nine and a Half Weeks, and they send up Top Gun, and they send mm-hmm. up a lot of different things. A- at the time that I saw it, I had no inoculation to it, and it just it hit me like a ton of bricks and to this day makes me I just I, I remember watching it again. And I, m- I remember thinking to myself, can I show this to my children, who are yeah. almost 13 or 11. <laughs> and then I watched it, I'm like, "Yeah, no, I can't show this to my kids yet. <laughs> um, but I think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny. And it may or may not be a Zaz movie, but I think it's close enough that it fits in for the purposes.
2: Of oh, life. it's definitely a Zaz. It, it's
0: definitely yeah. a Zaz movie. I think. I, I think as long as it's got, one, it's got one of those three letters, and it, it's a Zaz movie. You know. So it, this is a movie that I had not seen it until earlier today. Um, oh. Hot Shots is just one of those ones that just it just fell through the cracks, and I wasn't avoiding it. I just hadn't gotten around to it missed a couple chances to see it uh my back catalog of movies that i should watch that have been recommended to people whose opinions i really value is so titanic that i'll never get through it all and so adding a movie like hot shots to it is just a guarantee that i'm never going to actually see it so i was really grateful that i had a a prompt to, to watch it today and yeah it was it was actually a lot funnier than i expected you know and uh and we talk about the dialogue. There's this one scene early on when this officer goes out to get uh, Topper to rejoin you know, the, the military. He's living in a wigwam for no particular reason. And, Two dogs. And, yeah. yeah. And for whatever reason, he and this military liaison, they keep passing back a peace pipe, but it's filled with – it's got a helium balloon attached to it. So they just keep talking on helium the entire time. And I remember watching going, how many takes do they have to do to not goof up when they're giving these lines on Helium, man? Like how much Helium do you have to take before it stops being funny that you're on Helium? <laughs> but um, yeah, this one seems to mine a much shorter time frame than some of the other movies, which seem to mine yeah. like entire genres. This is mining like a particular movie and everything else that came out since that movie came out. And so it, it's definitely in a different bracket joe i think i think you you mm-hmm. i think it's the right call there but i will say that it works really well even though it pulling from a much narrower band of source material man there's some gags in this movie that absolutely broke me up every time every time we see washout show up played by john crier oh yeah and they go, yeah. to, his, they go to his walleye visions, like hey man you feel okay you look so good it's such a, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 it's, such a it's such oh a stupid God. It's such a stupid gag, but man, I laughed my head off. And then the Joel Sartre getting in his face and they do the same thing. And I'm like, I just can't stop it. It's just killing me. It's so, it's such a cheap gag. Like that's the thing is that gag should not have worked as well as it worked. And here I am, 50 years old on Dude, my couch, laughing my head off at a stupid walleye
1: gag. It's hilarious. I feel like I feel like Hot Shots had more cheap gags than the other Zaz films. Um,
3: there's no question about that. There's yeah. cheap gags that they keep shoveling at you.
1: But yeah. when it comes when it comes to Washout, uh, it's at the end that I particularly loved him, where his glasses, he's finally got glasses, and, and they actually have, they're like little aquariums. Yeah. They actually have fish swimming <laughs> in them.
0: Yes. <laughs> they're, so,
2: they're so huge. I love how like you know that the guys in the squadron who are just like clearly the scrubs you know that like you're yeah. not even going to be in the in the film like at all other than like a couple of you know <laughs> they're all named after you know, like there's Washout, there's you know there's dead meat like
3: dead
2: they're <laughs> so obviously like the dead meat is so you, like name. we're not going to see these guys too much because they're you know yeah, yeah. You well know, dead the, meat
3: features in pretty prominently
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. stars you know yeah <laughs> I love that. I got to, you know, the funniest thing about this movie for me is just figuring, like, where some of the laughs came from were not, like, what you would expect from a Zazz movie. Like, one of the biggest laughs I had during this movie was just a straight joke. You know, what's the elephant with, you know, three balls? What do you do with, what do an, you elephant do with an elephant with balls? three balls? Walk him and pitch to the rhino. Like I was in the theater laughing my ass off at that joke, just because I had never heard that joke
3: before. It was the
1: funniest moment, mo- moment of the movie, in my opinion. I, I that slays me. Why she delivers it so straight? Yeah, <laughs> it's like what the.
3: Yeah. She does play it very straight. But I, I will say, probably, like looking back on now, watching it again as a you know, older individual, more theoretically more mature person than I was in 1991. The, the Lloyd Bridges, Admiral Benson stuff oh is so funny. Don't tell me he says, there were two crabs. They work in pairs. I went to Annapolis. <laughs> <laughs> when he looks out at the guys and he says, I look out at you young men and I think to myself, what I wouldn't give to be 20 years younger and a woman. And a woman. <laughs> and, and, I just like, and, and he just like goes on my, my, my all time. my my favorite though is when he says, uh, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> he says, you know, thanks for having us over for dinner. Last night, Cheryl and I thought this stroganoff was wonderful. And the lieutenant commander says, "But, Sue, we didn't have you over for dinner." He goes, "Oh, where the hell was I? Who's Cheryl?" And just like, and it's like every time he opens his mouth, he's so befuddled and so completely lost.
0: He's always talking about how parts of his head have been replaced. He's like, "I can't see so my eyes are ceramic." <laughs> it's like, wait, what?
3: <laughs> you hear that my, ding ding, I, ding 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 had it replaced after you know it's just like, yeah, oh my God. And he names every meaningful battle yeah history, right like, yeah. My, my, that was a pain my. wound job
0: my favorite moment of the Admiral just completely disassociating with reality, though, is at the funeral scene where he's given like this most inappropriate eulogy. And then all of a sudden they give the salute and he goes, Jump in Jesus, they're back. It doesn't, it doesn't explain who they are. He just takes cover, pulls a revolver, and starts shooting.
3: Bedless, well, and he says, he says he says, he, says <laughs> he says, he says, Do good men like Dead Meat Thompson just blink out one day like a bad bulb? I mean, one minute you're in bed with a knockout gal or, or guy. And next year, a compost chief. Does that not bother any of you? Because it scares the living piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> oh, no, God. Lloyd Briggs
0: but... was on fire this movie. I mean, honestly, nobody he says, was, he was just weapons grade.
3: I've personally flown over 194 missions. I was shot down on every one. Come to think of it, I've never landed a plane in my life. <laughs> oh, God, it He's just like, goes If I can,
0: so can you. Yeah, no, he was He's just so, so good. So, he so has good. no idea what's
1: happening, and yeah. it's, it's perfect. Possibly. And that, and, that, and that, that, there's a plot reason for that, which I find lovely. You know, <laughs> he has been assigned because he's incompetent, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. But And they don't just hate it once and move on. They just, like, they, oh, just, yeah. they keep coming back and parking on it because <laughs> it's too good.
2: <laughs> I loved how they just kept making fun of the Whiskey Tango Fox trot. Like, they, they just kept coming back to that. Like, Alpha Velveeta knuckle underwear. You're <laughs> clear for takeoff. Vanilla, <laughs> uh, Sphincter mucus <laughs> diner ringworm. Roger, like, wh- They kept coming back to that and just making up new (laughs) like stupid words to go with the letters.
0: It was was that's that's the example of like a cheap but
1: brilliant gag, Uh, and it's like it's like God bless you for it. It's so good. I love the the chihuahua that people are constantly <laughs> almost sitting on and never so verbally cute. acknowledging.
0: Yeah, like and and, and this space of just long as every time it about. happens,
1: like, oh right, the chihuahua.
0: <laughs> like, where they come from? <laughs> it's so great. So, my favorite Zaz movie, which is uh, the Naked Gun from the Files of the of Police Squad, which uh, is the is the last Zaz movie where all three of them actually work together. So after Airplane. These guys did a short-lived TV show on CBS called Police Squad. And it was basically an airplane style send up of the police procedural and that show was freaking hilarious. I mean it was super super funny, but I think of audiences just they couldn't understand what they were seeing so it didn't do so well and they got canceled after 6 episodes. The Zaz guys weren't done with it so they kind of went back, mined some of their best gags from it and added a little bit more and created The Naked Gun, which is to, to me the movie I, I have never laughed harder at a movie than I have laughed at the Naked Gun. That's like proven by science. I mean, honestly, it's the story about me seeing Naked Gun was it was my senior year of high school. I just got my SAT scores back and was really not happy with my with with how I had done. I was really just super upset about it. And my brother he saw I was all stressed out and he was like, you know what, we should like he he was really worried about me and he goes, you know, we just we should do something funny. Let's just do something cool. I'm going to take you to see The Naked Gun. I'm like, "Whatever, man, I don't care." And so I go to the theater and I'm all super ticked off and I get my popcorn and my soda. I'm like, "Whatever," and sit down and the movie rolls and it starts off with Lieutenant Frank Drebin infiltrating this like Spectre-style association of all the world leaders and terrorist leaders at the time that the US like had a problem with Idi Amin and Ayatollah Khomeini and Muammar Gaddafi, like, you know, all these guys. And basically, Drebren just opens up a can of whoop-ass on the whole room and just beats the beats hell. The, 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 he, he grabs Mikhail Gorbachev in a headlock and, like, takes a rag and wipes the the port wine stain off his head. He goes, I knew it. <laughs> he, he decks, he decks Khomeini so hard his, you know, head covering comes off and reveals this brightly colored mohawk. He's like, what, what the, you know, it's just like, it's just so bizarre. And he leaves in the room, just like unconscious battered bodies are everywhere. And somebody's like, who are you? And turns around and he goes, I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin, police squad. And don't let me catch any of you guys in America. And then goes to walk out the door and open the door up and it slams back in his face again, like these dudes style. And nobody was prepared for this. And people were so howling with laughter I was like, oh my God, what am I in for? Like it was, I was, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. And the movie just keeps going on from there. This is a movie where at various scenes, I saw one guy laughing so hard. He actually had his feet kicked up in the air. Like he's laughing, like in a cartoon. And in another scene, I saw a different guy, honest to goodness, fall out of his chair laughing. Like he was laughing so hard. He just couldn't handle it. And just like rolled out of his chair, buckled over and just fell on the floor laughing. And I was like, wow.
3: Like, we're... That's Enrico Palazzo.
0: Yeah, it's Enrico Palazzo. Um, by the time I got the end of the movie, I realized it's the only movie <laughs> I've gone to and I didn't sip my soda or eat my popcorn. My snack was intact. I was like, so like laughing so hard. I just, I didn't have time to put anything in my mouth. I'm laughing too hard. I would have choked to death, you know? I think my moment of truth in this one is just this recurring gag where every time Drubin pulls up somewhere, in his car, it, the parking job. He destroys something in his parking job, right? He like he runs over something, he drives into something, and at one point he comes up to the station yeah. and just hits this series of trash cans so hard, his airbag goes off, and he like he like piles out of the car, and the other bag, airbag goes off, and the car just starts keeps rolling. And like almost it's a bunch of pedestrians like oh look out and he opens fire on his own car and like hits the trunk and it blows open and explodes and like it's like people all just bedlam and you see the car like you see the car just rolling away with these massive balloons out the windows the trunk is open there's fire out the back it's dragging some wreckage and it just goes around a corner this spectacle of a car and he's like anybody see the driver <laughs> you know? it's like let's um <laughs> they play. It's, it's, it's everybody take witnesses statements for all the witnesses i have to go inside and he just goes inside and it's like the joke does not further anything in the story it's just something they did to do and it's just it was so well timed and so hilarious and so goofy it's these throwaway gags that they just execute so flawlessly and i kind of marvel at it like in the moment i just laugh real hard at them but when i stop and pull back and try to try to appreciate the craft of these movies and the fact that they're able to drop that in just out of nowhere without warning with no connective tissue to what comes before or after and it works so well on its own and yet doesn't derail the story that's actually pretty hard to do narratively and i i'm so impressed And they do it all the time and it's like these these comedies they're like cobblestone pressed together right and they shouldn't hold themselves together as well as they do but they do and that's why I think it's so amazing about these films. And I think it's the reason why I keep coming back to them is that somehow there is this invisible framework that ties together all these jokes that often don't relate to each other. And somehow the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And I just don't know how, don't know how they do it because it shouldn't happen. It's like, it somehow violates comedy physics and yet they do it again and again. That scene reminds me of what I love about this movie and what I love about Zazz movies in particular.
2: Like there's a formula there but it's not exactly obvious and i kind of am envious of like them that i still don't know it after all the damn movies that i've watched it's crazy yeah right <laughs>
3: the, the secret to naked gun is that leslie nielsen is the best of the straight men as comedy like he he embodies that probably better than just about anybody right yeah. i mean he, it, i i think <laughs> it's just yeah perfect. yeah he, it's, it's axiomatic right like i mean that leslie nielsen has no idea that he's in a comedy. He has no idea that he's in slapstick. He thinks he's in a real movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that <laughs> you know, I mean, never like, once is there any, even
0: the slightest whiff of that of him like letting on that he knows. It's a complete detachment.
3: A legit deal. And like when he's going, you know, I don't, and, I, and honestly, I'm to the point now where I can't remember whether it's the first one or the two and a half. I like sometimes, like they blend together, the one big melange. But when like there's the nuclear weapon and stuff is blowing up behind him, and he's going nothing to, nothing see, to see here. here. The fireworks. It's all good. Going, you know,
1: nothing yeah. to see here. They do that throughout the movie too. Nothing to yeah, see nothing here. To see <laughs> here. There's the fireworks He's Doing his job, and yeah,
2: like he's a great guy in the movie. My moment of truth for this was when he blunders all through the guy's apartment, you know, looking for evidence. Oh, oh my! And like it's just a comedy just of errors. And, you know, setting the place on fire. He's ruining, you know, painting. And priceless. Priceless. He's
0: trying to be quiet and turns on a player piano by accident.
2: (laughs) While he's trying to kick like a waste bucket off, it's like this masterful, like physical comedy thing that slayed me in the theater. Like
3: (laughs) (laughs) probably my favorite Frank Drebin line actually comes from the one I quote the most comes from Two and a Half, which was "I've been swimming in raw sewage." I love it. Which, (laughs) which is supposed to be the code. Phrase that's supposed to bring help when he's like swimming you know so now whenever I'm in a tough spot or I'm like in budget meetings or like things at work are terrible i you be like, how are things going I'm like I'm swinging raw sewage I love it <laughs> and um, but but for for naked gun just yesterday my father was over and we were watching uh, on YouTube the, the I, I want you to know I practice safe sex <laughs> and like where like the, the breakaway cut, co- like the breakaway clothes. suit like she takes away. her dress off and she does a tearaway suit. And then they're in the body condoms. <laughs> that joke, I, listen, I graduated high school in 1993. If you came of age as I did in the late eighties and early nineties, girls and women had so much clothes on that second base was like the third camisole. Like seriously, you'd give up and go home. Like you never got to underwear. You never got it. Like it was like a Russian nesting doll. <laughs> to get the clothes off of these people. And so like the whole practicing safe sex joke with the body condom joke landed like so perfectly for my cohort. We were like, (laughs) yes, that is what that is our life. Like, and and so like where they're trying to like, they're, they're on the, the bed with the body condoms on <laughs> it's like they're, like they're wrestling that, that. in
0: hazmat suits basically there's like yeah, no, exactly. no intimacy there whatsoever
3: <laughs> they're, not, they're not even they're not even ha- they're in like bubble wrap yeah right like i mean they're like you know, they look at me on a nice beaver it's like how do you know never yeah. you never know, see you're in the body condom
0: <laughs> no i um i'm also particularly fond of uh and again, this is, like, this is not the kind of gag I typically laugh at, but this is one of those things where the joke lasts for a certain period of time and it should end, and they intentionally make you sit through it even longer and it becomes funny again. And that's when he's got the, uh, the hot mic bathroom trip.
1: Oh, right. you're so <laughs> Well, Chris, take it away. <laughs> yeah, that is immortal. It, it, that joke should not land as hard as it does. And it sh- certainly shouldn't work for as long as it does. But he goes on forever. And he's like singing <laughs> little songs and... and oops, <laughs> missing, missing <laughs> the bowl halfway through. And, and oh, wow. It's just that... that he's is doing this weird little dance in front of the on. urinal to
2: try to <laughs> shake it all out. It, <laughs> it goes on for so long that you have time to think about... What if this happened to me and think yes. about it in detail yeah.
0: <laughs> before the gag's <laughs> over? <laughs> Next, the gag's over. Exactly. And then like it stops and like stop blip blip blip. Okay, so then and then it starts up again. The theater exploded when that happened. It was like it was like it was twice as funny than the first time. It was just like, here we go. And it wasn't just like it starts for a second and leaves, it's like another like 10 10 seconds of, of – and we've all seen this joke a yeah. hundred times. It is
3: multiple quality beer pisses, though. Like he doesn't just have a couple of little ones. I mean, this guy is going to the recycling center, yeah. <laughs> and it is it is legit. Yeah. I, I will say too, like I played high school baseball, and at this point, like the, the part where he's doing the umpiring,
0: yeah,
3: and and like doing the <laughs> elaborate strike calls and stuff, like that's what we started to do to each other. Strike at, at yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the, the the when he takes off his mask hey. at the umpire. It's Enrico Palazzo. It's Enrico Palazzo.
0: <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite code <laughs> into that joke is that in the credits, it gets to a point where they just identify people by the line they say, and there's, there's a guy just, yeah. hey, it's Enrico Palazzo, and there's the guy's name. Like, that's yep. outstanding. That's the best movie credit
3: ever. <laughs> and let's just say that I have never stopped, rewound, and replayed a, a, a section of a film as much as when Nordberg hits the railing going down, <sighs> and he's in the in the wheelchair going down That's the stand and hits and hits the railing and does the full flip like a thousand flips up and over onto the field. You've played that a hundred times over and over and over again just to watch because so, it's so before out.
1: the OJ trial or after. Before. Oh. Because I I think I think it's funnier now.
3: Oh, oh there's no question; it's funnier now. But <laughs> but it was funny then. It was funny then, just from the execution of the
0: joke. Regardless of who is playing that character, the execution of that is masterclass. And like, it's just like it's just the do 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 which is funny. Just that big rattling trip down. And it's like, and you know what's gonna happen? And he, has, and he just he just spring fired out of things, flapping end over end. And then he just nails like, oh Frank, everyone should have a friend as good as you. <laughs> (laughs) that's your point bill
3: Ah. that's your point of like the the zez signature of like if the foreground is serious the background is funny or vice versa like that's happening in the background of like a fairly melodramatic straight up scene in the foreground (laughs) right and it's like that's that's happening back in the air for the sake of the audience
0: yeah it was was so fantastic um yeah yeah no it it was uh, this this is just my favorite now tom do you you have a favorite part from, from 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 the naked gun it
2: was the uh it was that scene that i mentioned but uh like another gag that i loved that lands like it's like the whole like you know nordberg on the deathbed kind of thing and he's uh, like (laughs) no frank heroin heroin that's (laughs) that's a pretty tall order. you're gonna have to give me a couple days on that (laughs) one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like <laughs> sliding that little drug humor in there
0: you know it's just
2: uh oh my god
0: <laughs> i also just love how drevin is this total straight up cop who for his friend would immediately do like the most corrupt thing a cop could do <laughs> it's like well like sure why not use my partner you know give me a minute yeah
3: <laughs> I, i'll also i'll also say that the the line that i've said many 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 times and i know there's so much quotability to this movie but when um frank and um I keep calling her Priscilla Presley X. I don't remember her character's name from the movie. Maybe one of you can help me out, but like what he says this is, a, you know, it's a topsy-turvy world. And maybe the problems of two people don't amount to a hill of beans, but
0: this our is our hill. hill.
3: And You're these are our beans. beans. Yeah. <laughs> just, I've said that so many times. I don't even know.
0: It, it, it's it's right on the cusp of, of, profundity right like it's so stupid but just two pushes more over the one side is actually has <laughs> carries some meaning and that's what's so brilliant about it it's it's so good it's so good so oh man well look before we go some final thoughts on all this inanity and hilarity so when airplane came out it was despite its low production value and gorilla comedy stylings such a huge commercial hit i think it made back 50 times what it cost to make Uh, that it inspired no small number of imitators. And a lot of them weren't great, but there were some gems in there that played out over the next, you know, 10 or 20 years. We're talking about movies like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, Johnny Dangerously, Spaceballs, Amazon Women on the Moon, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, the Austin Powers franchise, just to name a few. But these Zazz movies, they're also followed by a whole lot of failed attempts as well. And the phalanx of dreadfully unfunny parody movies that churn on nowadays are an epic example of how dreary a parody can be when you don't really care about what you're parodying enough to weave in loving homage, or at least try to pretend that on some level you're participating in the genre that you're sending up. Just as Airplane killed the disaster movie genre, the current crop of genre spoof movies are doing a pretty good job of killing that genre as well. And that's okay, spoof movies tend to fall off the radar for decades at a time, and they'll surely have their day in the sun once again, don't call me Shirley, when audience needs and emerging comedic genius perfectly align. But until that happens, we might all do well to take a page from the Zazz Crew's own handbook, in which they acknowledge that comedy is almost impossible to teach, but it is possible to know what doesn't work. So in that spirit, the Zuckers and Abraham formed their 15 rules of writing comedy. Roughly paraphrased, they are one, Punch lines should be delivered straight and the, and the foreground and background should never be on the same comedic wavelength. Two, a joke happening in the background must be related in some way to the action in the foreground. Three, actors in the foreground must ignore jokes happening behind them and vice versa. Four, try not to remind the audience that they're watching a movie. Five, try not to defy logic so badly that the audience will notice. Six, Once a joke is made, it can't be allowed to hang around after the initial laugh. Seven, belaboring an ideological point is kind of past the humor of the joke. Eight, avoid making any jokes about the movie business or comedy itself. Nine, obscure jokes understood by so few people as to make them not worth the effort. Ten, overly elaborate setups for jokes. The more elaborate the setup, the worse the payoff. Eleven, don't do anything that Jerry Lewis would do. 12 don't do lots of car crashes and fancy special effects mindless action without a comedic payoff never works 13 is no one a particular target has had enough and has been used up 14 no one a joke has gone on too long and 15 the most important rule is there are no rules there are exceptions to every one of these rules across the various Zaz movies they work and that's okay looking at these rules it might seem strange that a brand of humor so anarchic would have its own set of rules to play by, but that's the thing about making people laugh. Comedy is about order and expectations. However much you violate that in search of a laugh, it always pays to remember that you never want to become your own punchline. On behalf of myself, Chris, Tom, and Joe, this has been Moments of Truth. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. The moments of truth theme is a mashup of the clermont by flash fluherty and a little help from a texas instruments speak and spell for more moments of truth be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts and for hundreds of additional write-ups of my favorite movies please visit billcoffin.com